This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Good morning, everyone. Indeed, I am happy to be here. Uh, It has been a pleasure being here thus far. Yes, I am really enjoying myself. Yes, um, and I'm very grateful to the Deals family, as he mentioned. We have been um, friends for almost 30 years, and the relationship has been a good one. And so I am just delighted meeting all of you today. And uh, this morning, the Sunday school class was really booming. It was like on fire. I enjoyed um, so Cheryl, is it Cheryl? Right, so Cheryl and the team, powerful Sunday school um, lessons speaking about Israel. And so, of course, I want to also um, encourage other persons to come and be a part of that, um, um, the Sunday school. It's, it's very rich, very, very rich one. And um, of course, I would just, um, and I learned quite a bit too there this morning, um, connecting Hamas to Genesis chapter 6. And so, you know, it's been a powerful session. And uh, I'll just take two, three minutes to just share a word from Genesis chapter 6 that came out of the, the lesson this morning. And so, even though I wasn't vocal, I was listening in the class. Okay. Right. And... Um, In Genesis chapter 6, we find that um, in verse 5, it says, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man, and it was great on on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Sounds like where we are today. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and that he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And uh, we're strategically placed, you know, I'm not saying much to Pastor Jeff, but I'm seeing where um, this, you have been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. We're strategically placed here in, in this part of the world today for such a time as this. And Noah made a difference And uh, all I'm saying to us today is that we can make a difference. Basically, what is happening in our world today, we saw where um, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the end. But we can make a difference. Noah could have decided that, boy, the whole world is going this way, so I'm going there with them too. As the scripture says, broad is the road that leads to destruction. You know, I could, you know, Noah could have decided that, boy, you know, I mean, it, it makes no sense, you know, try, because, you know, I'm fighting a losing battle. But he decided to stand. 
and Noah stood with God when everybody else, you know, um, was standing against God. Noah stood with God. Noah and his family stood with God. And as a family here, you know, the, the, the challenge, the task is great, but we can stand. Paul says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. And I want to encourage us this morning. Uh, Noah was really saying to us, and he's saying to us today, that we can make a difference. We can indeed make a difference for our family. He and his family um, was saved. Amen? amen? Praise the Lord. In Jamaica, we say amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> right, so Noah made a difference. And of course, we can do the same. Just um, finding my script here. So Noah made a difference for his family. Those closest to you benefit most when you do the right thing. Noah made a difference for God's creation. Each of us can make and and uh, can make the place where we live better than it was when we found it. Noah made a difference, and we can make a difference. We can make a difference for our children, the future. We can make a difference for future generations. When we serve people or influence them positively, we create a chain of impact that outlives us. We can make a difference for God. God desires to partner with his people who love him, who will love him. And because Noah's relationship with God, he changed the course of history because of his relationship. And we find that he says, okay, I'm not going to destroy the, the, um, the world anymore with, uh, with that kind of um, catastrophe. We saw what happened. He says, okay, the rainbow, I'll give you a sign for the rainbow. And finally, we can make a difference at any age. Noah was 600 years old when he entered the ark. Yes. So, you're never too old, right? And you're never too young to make a difference. Different you know, makers, you know. And that's what the world needs today. Somebody who will stand up. One shall chase a thousand, and two will put 10,000 to flight. We're more than enough today to speak to the, into the realm, into the atmosphere. We're more than enough to speak against the evil that is happening. We're more than enough. God bless you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> what a good word. And uh, it's 
great segue into what I'm going to talk to you about. It's really the same thing. Um, so as I said, th things are shifting. Things are, I don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't give you any details because I don't know the details. I just know that we are being pushed now and we're being prepared for some things that uh, are going to be new to us, but um, we're going to be ready, right? And so we're going to take the necessary steps to be ready. That's what we're going to do. Listen, everybody who's in this room right now is supposed to be in this room right now. I wouldn't necessarily say that every Sunday. I'm, I'm not a guy who thinks that every, everything you do uh, that is just predestined and, you, and that's God's design and what, you know, we live our lives, we make decisions, we go places, we do stuff. Today, I'm convinced that the people who needed to be in this room to share in this are in this room, right? So you're important to this. You're very important to this. Doesn't matter if you haven't been here in a while, doesn't matter if you've never been here. You're important to this. And the, for the longest tenured person who's always here, you're important to this. Because um, we have a lot to do. Uh, I, personally, I don't know that I'm going to work till I'm 600. But I'm going to work as long as I can work. And then my brother says he wants to live to be 90, keep working right up to the last day, and then get hit by a truck, just taken out like that. And I'm like, well, we have some of that in common. I want to live till I'm 90 and be able to work the whole time. Then I just want to die in my sleep. Because the idea of dying in my sleep is a lot more attractive than dying on the bumper of a Peterbilt, right? I mean, it's just, um, <laughs> I don't know about that. You need to evaluate where you are, who you are, what's going on, so that you'll be prepared for your role in what's coming, young, old, and everything in between. To be prepared, I'm challenging. This is going to be really challenging. I met with the men yesterday morning for a fireside breakfast and conversation, and I hammered them. I hammered them for the last 15 minutes of it with a real straightforward, in-your-face challenge. Okay? And I'm not letting up. It's Our work is too serious. Our calling is too important. Uh, what God has placed us in this community to do, like Tommy was talking about. It, it's too big. It's, listen, it's life and death. That's how important it is. It is life and death for people that we be obedient to what we've been called to do. That we say yes every morning to whatever we see and hear the Holy Spirit is doing in the earth and right here in our community. So I'm challenging you. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to hit you between the eyes. And we have to talk about prayer. And we've talked about it before. It's not a new topic. I may not say anything that sounds like something you haven't heard before. But we have to talk about it because if we're not intentional and intense, the Bible calls it, fervent, effectual, and fervent, intentional, powerful in our prayers, then we probably should just forget about the rest of it. Because we have to have that. 
and it has to cover everything that we do. It has to infiltrate every thought, every decision, every meeting, every worship service, every outreach effort should be covered, saturated by our intense and intentional prayer lives. And, we're, and, and so we're going to talk some about that today. For a few weeks, I was out last Sunday, but for a few weeks before that, we've been talking about how whatever was your blessing is still your blessing. It doesn't matter that you got knocked off track for a while or you lived in disobedience for a while or some weird circumstances happened in your life. If God said this is your blessing, then this is still your blessing. If you decide to cover it up, if you decide to say no to it, if you decide to uh, stand in the way of what God wants to do, that's on you. You can do that. The blessing God has for you may never come to you, but I guarantee you one thing, it won't be his fault that it didn't come to you. It's going to be your fault that it didn't come to you because you allowed things to stand between you and that. You poured the layers on. You listened to the wrong voices. You accepted theories and philosophies and opinions and ideas instead of the one truth of Jesus Christ. So it can happen that you end up without your blessing, but God's intention for you never changes. When he created man and woman, he put them in the garden. It was his intention at that moment that mankind live in perfect harmony with him as their creator and with the rest of natural creation. We messed it up. They messed it up. We continue to mess it up, but his intention has never changed. It is still his 100% absolute intention for you and me today that we live in harmony with him and in harmony with the rest of his creation. That's his blessing. And then he has individual blessings for us. And we can do like Eve did. We can start listening and entertaining wrong information. We can start mixing in a little bit of outside stuff into the recipe, God's perfect recipe. And we can pollute and distort that recipe. And we'll end up moving ourselves off target from his intention. We have the same options that they had. That's never changed either. Is that God's blessings are real. His promises are true. They are for us. But we have options. We were created with free will. We were created with the ability to make decisions. We were created with the ability to rationalize. So, when we choose which direction we're going to go, what voice we're going to listen to, we're choosing whether or not we're going to live inside the garden life that God intends or whether we're going to live somewhere else. If we are intentionally and powerfully prayerful, full of prayer, we're going to protect ourselves from the wrong voices. We're going to protect ourselves from distraction, from deception, 
Enemy only comes to deceive. He wants to make you believe in yourself more than you believe in him. He never said to Eve, bow down and worship me. He said to Eve, you can be better than God. You can implement your own principles. You can help God do his job. Yes, most of what he said was right, but you need to add a little stuff to it. That's his trick. It was his trick then, never changed. It's still his trick right now. So, prayer. On Tuesday morning, we had our men's group in Atlanta, and a young man named Contrell Jackson shared his testimony. Contrell is now an employee at the 345, which is our housing program and our services program for young men and veterans and men returning from incarceration. Contrell served 17 years in prison for murder. He was sentenced as a 14-year-old in 1990 to life without the possibility of parole. 14. And all he did was stand on the sidewalk while two friends went into a movie store, robbed the store, shot and killed the 17-year-old girl who was working behind the counter, and sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. But one of these Innocence Project organizations found out about his case, went to work on his behalf. His case went all the way to the Supreme Court of the United States. Supreme Court ruled that it was unconstitutional to sentence a child to life behind bars without the possibility of parole. So his case was a groundbreaking case and paved the way for many, many children or people who were sentenced as children to now have an opportunity at life outside of prison. So that's his story in a nutshell, but the reason I'm bringing up Contrell is because of one thing that he said when he was sharing his testimony on Tuesday. He was talking about how he had prayed and prayed and prayed because he didn't know God as a kid. He didn't believe in God. He, he had an absentee father. You know, uh, a kid's uh, most uh, truest representation of who God is comes through their father. So if the father's not there, you've got a problem already. So he had no father around. He doesn't believe in God. He was that way when he was sentenced. He was that way when he was in prison, but he started to listen to a chaplain, started to embrace a little bit of what he was saying. One day he decided, I'm going to pray. I'm going to try this out. And he started praying. He started studying the word, reading the word night and day. And he said he prayed and prayed and prayed for the same things. That God's will would be done, that, that somebody would hear about what was going on with him, somebody would come to his rescue, something would happen. He prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed over and over and over, asking God for the same thing. Have you ever done that? I've done that. He said, one day, I stopped praying and I started believing. And when he said that, it, it took me by surprise. I'd never heard it put that way. Y'all know that I'm a guy who doesn't believe in just begging God over and over and over with worrisome prayers and then getting up and acting like we don't believe what we just prayed by the way we act and the way we talk and the attitude that we have. I think it's absolutely disgraceful to God sometimes that we pray Him without faith. We pray to Him without faith. We, we exercise what we know about prayer. We use the right words, but there's no belief involved in it. 
So when Contrell said, I stopped praying and I started believing, you know, I don't necessarily think we need to stop praying, but if you sense in your spirit about that situation that that's what you ought to do, then that's what you ought to do. But it's the starting to believe part that's so powerful. Because prayer without faith is just words like any other conversation. Prayer without believing is a useless waste of time. I can give you all kinds of examples in the Word, and we're going to share a few scriptures out of many here in a few minutes to support what I'm saying. When you pray, you must pray with a serious level of belief that what you are praying, that God is hearing it, and that God is actually working in that situation, to give an answer, his answer in his time to that situation. You have to have this intense anticipation. If anticipation is not part of prayer, then we're leaving out a very, very important element of it. Who should ever pray a prayer to God and just get up and walk away from that, really forgetting that we even prayed, much less having any level of anticipation about what God's going to do post-prayer. You know, if I pray right now that, you know, I've been dealing with an infection in my thumb that came out of nowhere, I don't know what happened to it, and, and literally it could have been, could have gotten so bad I could have lost a thumb, I think. It was that bad. You know, and if I pray to God about the thumb, and I said I did pray because I, I couldn't sleep at night, it was horribly painful, and I'm praying to God, you know, help me here. I need some help. I need some resolution to this. And if if I just pray that, and then I, I head straight out of my prayer to the medicine cabinet, and I pop some more of those happy pills that I borrowed from Miss Faye, and, and and you know, and I just rub some stuff on it, and I go back to the doctor three or four times. Yeah, we did that illegal thing where she shared her prescription medication. <laughs> Cut that out of the recording. You know, how often do we do that? That stuff's good. I'm going to need some more. Um, how often do we do that? We pray, and then we get up, and we just start doing stuff that indicates that we don't have a shred of belief about what we just prayed. We get up from prayer about the situation in Israel and then, and then we just moan and groan about what's going on over there as if God's not capable of working out His plan for His people. You know? And we just um, dive into all the negative stuff that's coming along with all the news reports and all the, the, the uh, gloom and doom. And it's not pretty, y'all. It's not good, and it is what it is in terms of the violence and the injustice and the war and all that. We're not denying any of that. But if we are people of God who pray to God and ask for His kingdom to come, His will to be done, His daily bread to show up right in the right time, and we do that as we repent and as we forgive others, then we should leave those prayers with a serious anticipation about what He's doing in that moment and ongoing. Pray, but believe while you are praying and after you pray. Mark chapter 9, verse 24, there's a lot of places we could look in the Scripture to see examples, to see real-life stuff 
But this one I thought was really powerful, and it really, we can identify with this, where there, there's, uh, you know, Jesus has been teaching, he's been doing miracles, and he's doing all this stuff, and this crowd is around, and they go to this place where there's a young man who is possessed with demons, and he's out of control. And the man's father, the young man's father, is terribly concerned about his son. And he wants Jesus to heal his son. And Jesus says, well, do you believe? Hey, it's a valid question. It's a valid question. We ask God for stuff. Will you heal me or heal my loved one? Will you bring my child out of rebellion? Will you deliver this person that I know and love from addiction? Will you supply my financial need? Will you help me to get freedom from this, this mental health thing that's going on with me, this depression, this oppression? We ask God for His favor, for His blessing, for answers to terribly complicated things that are going on in our lives. But do we believe do we have that anticipation? Is that we're all given a measure of faith, but you know you're given a measure, but the measure is not designed to stay at that level. If He gives you a teaspoonful, the design is that that teaspoonful grow to a tablespoonful, to a quarter of a cup and a half a cup and a whole cup and running over. Because as you exercise each measure... That faith will grow, and it grows also because you see God showing up, doing stuff, stuff you know that nobody else could do. God's stuff. Jesus says, hey, you're asking, but do you believe? Because if you don't believe, there's no need asking. And the man makes this what initially looks like somewhat of a confused, gives somewhat of a confusing answer. He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but I need more. I think it's a great answer. Because the man is honest about where he is. You know, it's the first step. You've got to evaluate yourself honestly. What is, what is the level of greed going on in your life? What's the level of pride going on in your life? What's the level of lust going on in your life? What's the level of jealousy? What's the level of anger? To what level have you still not forgiven them? That struck somebody. Be fair and honest in your evaluation of yourself. And you'll land on right where your belief is. And be honest with God about it. And be honest with your brothers and sisters about it. I've got some belief, but I'm going to need some help. I've got this measure of faith, but I'm looking at my son and the evidence I see is working against my measure of faith. 
I, I'm seeing stuff that is making it hard for me to really jump up and down and say, yeah, this is about to happen. I believe, but help my unbelief. I think that'd be a solid prayer to pray every day of our lives. Nobody in the room has perfect faith. Nobody in the room never deals with any doubt whatsoever. So we all need more. We all need a greater measure. I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. The reason I like the answer is because the result would indicate that Jesus liked the answer. Because the boy that was wallowing on the ground and scratching himself and tearing stuff up and making noises that were unnatural is delivered, set free, gets cleaned up, walks away with his father whole and new and free. That's how much Jesus likes, appreciates, validates our desire to believe more and to empower our prayers with that belief. I want to go back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Familiar verse. We dealt with it a couple weeks ago. We're going to look at it quickly again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. A couple key things in there. Prayer, yes, absolutely, has to be there. It can't be a religious thing. It can't be a checklist item. I've shared with you how I grew up with two sets of rules. One set of things you couldn't do. You couldn't cuss, lie, steal, cheat, have sex before marriage, smoke, drink, that. And then a list of things you had to do. You had to go to church. You had to pay tithes. You had to pray. You had to read your Bible and that kind of thing, right? So it became a religious thing for me, so I bailed out on it for a few years as a young man because I couldn't meet the standard. I kept doing things that were on the don't-do list, and I had struggled doing the things that were on the do list. So I was always living under condemnation. I'm like, well, if the Lord comes right now, I'm doomed. I found my freedom at some point. Came to understand that prayer cannot be one of those religious institutions that creates guilt and condemnation. It has to be inside our lives of freedom in Christ, living life in the Spirit, understanding the kingdom, growing in our faith walk with Him day by day. But we must pray. But here's a key phrase. With thanksgiving. What does that say to you? It's saying that you believe that God's going to respond to what you're praying because you're already thanking Him for it. You ever ask somebody for something and you say, please and thank you? Why did you add thank you? They haven't done it yet. Right? Text somebody, hey, will you do this please and thank you? You're assuming you have an anticipation that they're going to do it, right? Or you wouldn't say thank you. You'd wait until it's done to say thank you. 
When we come to God, we pray your kingdom come, your will be done, your daily bread in this situation. I'm surrendering. I'm out of the way. I want God work to be done here. I want you to define it. I want you to work it out. I want you to be glorified by the result. Please. Oh, and thank you. I'm looking forward to it. I'm ready. I'm anxiously and wide-eyed expecting a God result. Y'all don't act like this is nearly as good as it is, but, but you need it. 289 times the word believe is in the scripture. Now, some of those times it's just regular language. It don't have anything to do with faith and prayer. But a lot of times it does. And let me share a few of those with you just to send us into our prayer time to close out, all right? Genesis 15, 6. We're going to use one example from the Old Testament. Genesis 15, 6. You know this one too. It says, Abram believed. And what happened? It was credited to him as righteousness. What, 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 that, what does that even mean? It means that God responded to Abram's belief. He didn't respond to Abram begging about something. He didn't respond to Abram's moaning and groaning that things were so bad. He didn't respond because Abram had questions about the call. He responded because Abram simply believed. He believed that God was God, that God had spoken, that God's voice is true, that God's promise is real, that God will make happen what He said He would make happen. And it was counted. Listen, who in the room, I keep asking y'all, because we need self-evaluation as much as we need anything. Who in the room needs to be a little more right than you are now? <laughs> rest of you are liars. So that means you need it worse than the rest of us. We all need more right. More of what's holy. More truth. God will credit. In other words, He's making deposits into your account of rightness every time you exercise your belief. Every time you leave prayer with serious anticipation about what he's going to do. He will raise your level of rightness. He will draw you closer into his heart. See, one of the uh, most powerful promises that's ever given to the followers of Jesus Christ is when he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. He only gives them one at a time. He never dumps all the keys in anyone's lap at one time. Why? Because he knows we don't have the capacity to manage it. It's only as you increase in your rightness 
that he knows he can trust you with the next key. And what does that key look like? It looks like something figuratively that, figuratively that will unlock more of a revelation of who he is and what he's doing. It's the key to the next door. It's powerful for us because we're approaching a door. I'm talking about the shifting and the moving and stuff's coming. We're approaching the next door for this ministry. And the key, he's reaching toward us with the key. We're going to see miracles. We're going to see deliverances. We're going to see people filled up with the Spirit, and it's going to replace what was there. Yeah, and he's going to bring, listen, uh, this is prophetic. We're called to be a house for misfits, outcasts, dysfunctional, addicted, lonely, Afraid. And some of you have either been in that category or still there, but man, more are coming. I don't want regular church. I appreciate all churches for any good thing they're doing, but I don't want regular church. I want the house filled with people who have needs. Why? Because that's where God hangs out. I have not come to call the righteous to repentance. <laughs> I have not come to heal the healthy. I've not come to deliver the free. Bring me the needy. Psalm 12:5 into the hovels of the poor, into the dark streets where the homeless groan. God speaks. I've had enough, he says. I am on my way to heal the hurt in the heart of the wretched. That's where God lives. That's where God hangs out. I only want to be where God is. They're coming. We're going to start putting it on the, the sign. We're going to get through the holidays and starting first of the year, people are going to drive by this sign and they're going to go. Because we're going to put messages up there inviting the poor, the dysfunctional, the hurting, the broken, the abandoned, the outcast. Don't feel like you belong, question mark. You belong here. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. 
I don't care how much money they have. I don't care what kind of influence they can exert. I don't care what kind of talents they bring in the door. We want people with needs. Matthew chapter 8. A centurion comes to Jesus and his servant is sick and dying. And Jesus said, do you believe? It had, not, it had very little to do with his asking. He said, do you believe? The man said, yes, I believe. And Jesus said, let it be done according to your belief. And his servant is healed like that. Matthew chapter 9, blind men come to Jesus seeking restoration of their sight, something miraculous, a God work. Nobody else can do it. Do you believe? Do you believe? Yes, we believe. And blind people walk away seeing clearly. Matthew 21, Jesus says, if you believe, you will receive. Faith must accompany our prayers. It must saturate and it must be before and during and after. Because if we believe, we will receive. In Mark chapter 11, he says, Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe. Believe and you'll receive it. We know we don't even have to get into praying in the context of God's will. You know, don't walk out of here saying, Lord, I, I just, I'm asking you for a brand new Porsche and I'm believing and think you're going to get home and somebody will have left one in your driveway. That is not what we're talking about. Kingdom come will be done. His plan, not yours. Those kinds of prayers. And I love this example right here. And we'll finish with this one. Luke chapter 1, verse 45, when the angel has come to Mary and told her, you will carry and give birth to the Son of God. It says that Mary believed and blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. What happens if Mary says, oh, no, there's no way that's happening. You're nuts. I know you're an angel and all, but come on. I don't know what happens. I guess Mary, like all the rest of us, can run roadblocks against God's promises. But she believed. We're talking about her right now, 2,000 years later, because she believed. Because when you believe... You set yourself up as an important player in the accomplishment of God's will. I'd like to be that. 
I'd like to be a player in God's will. You look at a chessboard. You got your pawns and you got your other pieces. You know, pawns serve their purpose, but I don't want to be one, do I don't want to be a little peon out here just can only move one or one space at a time. Can't go sideways and kill anybody, you know, unless you're killing somebody. No. Don't take us the wrong way, but I want to be the queen. No, I'm not going, I'm not doing all that, but you know what I mean. I want, I want, I want to be a major player that can move wherever God wants to take me, anytime he wants to take me there, and can do serious damage to the kingdom of darkness and can do serious good in the kingdom of light. <laughs> believe. We're going to pray, and we're going to believe while we're praying. I'm going to invite you that if you don't believe, that you just go ahead and leave now because we don't need anybody in here who's going to stand in the way of our prayers and our belief and what we have a full expectation that God is going to do. Pray and believe. The first was for the nation of Israel, for the war, for the conflict that's going on there. Does somebody feel like you're the person to lead that prayer? And if we have more than one, we'll let you do it. Anybody? And if not, I'm going to do it. I'm not hanging around. Father, we thank you for your challenge to us. We thank you that you have directed our hearts this morning toward your heart in a spirit of prayer with serious faith wrapped around it. And we're praying right now for your people around the world and specifically for your people in the nation of Israel who are embroiled in terrible war, conflict, violence, bloodshed. We're not surprised by it. We know that it's prophesied. We know that it has to happen, but we also know that our hearts are heavy because of everything that's happening, especially to innocent people who really don't want to be part of it and don't really understand it. We pray for women and children. We pray for those who are being held hostage. We pray for the Israeli military that they would not do things out of vengeance, but that they would just be obedient to what your prophetic word has to say. We pray for innocent people in Palestine, for people who are, whose lives are being flipped upside down, who are suffering, who are hurting, who are fearful, that you would do your work and that you would rescue and save and bless children and elderly people and people in hospitals and nursing homes with your comfort, your peace, and your protection. I pray this with a lot of faith, and I join what I know are millions of other believers around the world in praying for it right now. And we agree. We pray it in Jesus' name, and we believe that you're working in the situation. We're going to pray for Sherwin, Monica, and their family. I'm not going to call them up front. You know, I'm not going to try to put them on the spot or anything. But... All three of their boys have, have gone through stuff, still going through stuff. Jonas was diagnosed with diabetes here in the last two weeks. And just out of, out of nowhere, another shocker. 
And Joshua had a medical episode this past week, which appeared to be something like a stroke when it happened. Monica's had her health issues. Sherwin's had his health issues. And I'm just praying against the spirit of infirmity that is attacking this family. And we have to know that they are super um, in love with God and his work. They have a lot of giftings, talent, influence, and the enemy hates them. And I'm not trying to say the devil's moving in their house and is making everybody sick, but I know that we're going to pray that kingdom come will be done in their situation. If anybody wants to walk back there and lay hands on them, feel free to do that. And I want to know if anybody feels inspired to lead the prayer. Yes. If you believe that prayer, say amen. Amen. I'm going to pray for EJ and Monique's family. You know the situation. You've got a 13-year-old young man now that has lost the most important person in his life. And he's a little bit lost right now. And he's in shock. And there are serious questions about his future on the table. So we're going to hold him up. We're going to love on him. We're going to support him. We've, we are offering at deep, deep levels. People who are part of this house are offering to be whatever they need to be in his life. And we just want it to be the right thing for EJ and his future. This young man's life is at risk. Because if he ends up in the wrong place, wrong environment, around the wrong people, he can go in a terribly wrong direction. And you're talking about a young man who is super intelligent, gifted, and, and he's part of our family. So we're going to pray, we're going to believe, and we're going to continue to support EJ, who would like to lead that prayer this morning. I think it'd be good if we had another young person who said, I want to pray for EJ this morning. Anybody? Or anybody else? Jason, girl.
thank you that you're here with us. And when you're with us, things happen. And things can change. We just pray and lift up EJ. He's in the lowest, darkest place he's probably ever been and ever will be again. But I know that you hold him tightly. And I just pray that he could tangibly feel that and feel your love and your embrace, even in this dark moment. And I just pray for wisdom over his situation, God, that he would reveal what should be next for him. Because I know that you have good things and good plans, and you knew that this would happen. And you know what's best, God, and we trust you for that. So I just pray if it's someone in this room he's supposed to live with, God, that they would know that you would speak that. Or if it's something else, God, it would be made so clear without question. But I just pray through this whole process and as we approach Monique's funeral, God, that peace would saturate. That strength would saturate him, God. And in those moments when he's confused and lost and scared, God, you would remind him of your love. And you would surround him with those who will remind him as well. Thank you that you hold EJ, and I thank you in advance for what you're going to do, and I thank you for your perfect answers that are going to be made known. We love you. Amen. Can everybody say amen to that? We're going to pray for Cheryl. We could have some folks gather around Cheryl over here. It's um, been a good while now. Cheryl's been dealing with some medical issues, being diagnosed with a liver disease, and is going to be going to the Mayo Clinic. I personally believe that God can do a miracle of healing right here this morning that would result in her not needing any more treatments. You know, you may think that's a foolish belief, but I believe it, and I've seen it happen before. So we're going to pray with big faith, big faith, that his perfect, perfect will will be done in her situation. We have somebody who wants to lead that prayer. Father, in your name, in your name, in Jesus' name, we pray over Cheryl Herring this morning. She is a warrior in the kingdom. She's a person who has, for her entire life, leaned into you for truth, for understanding, living her life in the spirit. And I know she has stuff still to do. She has influence still to exert. And I'm praying over her right now a prayer of healing. I pray that you would correct what's wrong. I pray that you would do things that will astound doctors. I pray that out of uh, 
difficult diagnosis would come a tremendous testimony of the healing power of Jesus Christ. And she would be an example to others of what can happen when you really, really just rest in the promises of God. I pray for her and Dean as they navigate whatever the course ahead holds. You would empower them, strengthen them, encourage them every day. And give them that anticipation that you're doing a God work. And again, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. And finally, we're going to pray for Tommy. Tommy, if you just come up here and join me. Tracy says that Tommy and I function like brothers when we're together. It's just kind of, you know, we look like we could have come from the same. He's a lot friendlier than me, but uh, we do have a, a great relationship, and we've, we've done a lot of work together through the years. I just want to bless him while he's here with us at COR South with our love and our prayers and support. Let him know that we're praying for him and Andrea, his wife, their sons, Adrian, Neymar, and for their ministry and work in Jamaica. We're talking through some possibilities for the future together down there, but we want God's will to be revealed in it and not to be doing anything on our own. Is there someone who would like to pray this prayer over Tommy and his family and his ministry? Dean. Heavenly Father, we come to you lifting this man up that you have chosen, that you've raised him, rose out of the Jamaican community to lead Lord God, we've had the, I personally have had the privilege to go there, and I've seen the people in the need, and it's a, it's, there's a heavy burden, but Lord, you've equipped this man with the power, you've equipped him with wisdom and guidance, Lord Jesus, and we just ask that you touch him, Lord, we ask that you touch him mentally giving him wisdom and all that he does and every decision he makes as a leader, Lord Jesus. We ask you to touch him physically, Lord Jesus. Touch him and his family, Lord. Guide them and touch them and give them the energies to do what you would have them to do and to carry out your will, Lord Jesus. We ask you to touch him financially, Lord Jesus. Lord, we ask people to be moved to support the ministries that he is carrying out, Lord God, and, and that souls will be brought into the kingdom from this ministry, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I, when I pray, I don't know what to pray sometimes. So I simply say, Lord, have your will in his life and in his ministry and his family and everything that he does and guide and direct him. And God, we look forward and believe and the miracles that are becoming, that there already have had been miracles, but we believe in further miracles that we'll see, and we can give you praise and glory for it, Lord Jesus. And in all things, we thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen.
obedient to the Lord this morning. And the sweet spirit of the Lord is filling this house. And God has spoken a powerful word to us. But there's something on my heart, even beyond what Jeff has asked us to pray for. I want Anton to come up here with me, and I want Mason to come, please. There are two scriptures that God put on my heart that I want to read, and I hope I can say it or read it clearly. And the first one, The first one is in Ezekiel 22, and we're very much in the book of Ezekiel now as we see the things that are happening. But this scripture said, I searched for a man among them who would build up a wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it. But I found no one. I found no one who would stand in the gap. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, Therefore we, and I'll insert we, the city of refuge in Thomaston, Georgia, are the ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. As Jeff describes those that we are praying and asking to come, he describes people that I love. There are people that I love. Some are even in my family that fit that description. I believe I can say without offense that this man, these two men over here once fit that description. So this morning I want you, if there is somebody that you love that is lost and that is deceived, I want you to stand up. This morning we are standing in the gap and we are asking God to intervene in their lives. I'm praying for my grandsons and grandchildren that are lost. They've been deceived. The world has fed them lies. I'm praying for those in Thomaston, Georgia, that are lost that do not know what we know. Lord, let us be bold. The disciples asked Jesus for two things, and Jeff has said both things this morning. He said, Lord, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And they said, Lord, increase our faith. And this morning, that's what I'm asking him. Lord, teach us to pray and increase our faith. This morning, there may even be somebody in this room that you're one among those that he described. And if you are, I'd say, come, come. But I want us to pray. And I'm going to ask Anton and Mason to pray. And as they pray, I want you to lay the person or people that are on your heart. 
laid them at the foot of the cross. And we wait, as Jeff said, in anticipation. Pray with faith and be ready to do whatever God tells you to do to show them who Jesus is. Father, this morning we come to you and we're going to put a big banner out in front with all the kinds of labels on it. Addiction, anxiety, unforgiveness, whatever the situation may be in each and individual's family members' lives here that are standing um, in the gap, Lord, to proceed to you, to your altar, to your throne, to your very feet. When we close our eyes, we should picture ourselves at the feet of God with our petition for the people that we love. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Lord, and so the people in our community that are lost, they're held by chains of bondage. We have these all these fancy words that have been handed down to us. But in a sense, just addiction is a lack of you. So these people that are that are in our community, Lord, we love. We're praying in the gap for them as, as loved ones, as family members. They're just as precious to us as our very own children. I don't think there's a family member here that, that has somebody that's without you in whatever capacity that might be. We don't care. We know that you can answer our prayers. We come to you in a faith and a belief. And we stand before you as your child, children, sons, and daughters. And you give us this right to do this, Lord. You tell us to come to you, to bring our petitions to you. You tell us to beg you for our needs. And we're begging you. We're begging you for every person that's been mentioned this morning by Pastor Jeff, by Miss Faye in the community. Lord, I pray that you strengthen this house and the members and you set our hearts on fire. If the doors are open, Lord, let us be here as a family. Let us know that that's a commitment to you to reach out and shine your light in our community. Give us the wisdom and the words to speak in compassion. Get us in the nursing homes. Get us in the hospitals. The work is much, Lord. The workers are few. I'm crying out that you set our hearts on fire to be that gap that Miss Faye mentioned that Scripture says that we are required to be. The need is much. There's so much going on outside these doors. There's probably things going on in our own hearts right now, Lord. You know that I come to you constantly with myself. Lord, we pray for your intervention in every need in every way possible. If there's a gift on the table that you have to offer, we want to pick it up and we want to open it. And we want to use it and we want to touch lives. We talked this morning in Sunday school class about the timeline of humanity and where we are in prophecy. All that it, it should be understood, Lord, but let's pick up and reach the people that are at our fingertips right now. Let's do the work that is in front of us right now. Let's be focused on that, Lord Jesus. And we give you the adoration and the glory for all the things that you send us to do. Let us be about your way, in your way, with your word and in prayer prayer of faith. In the name of Christ, I lift up all things that you put before us. Amen. Hey, Dad. Um, Father God, here we are. I do want to give you thanks for even just getting me this far. 
for the people you've put in my life to be able to see and experience and feel your love. And it's a really cold and it's a really dark place out there for a lot of people. I just pray that you can use us, that we come together, Lord, that individually you strengthen us, you soften our hearts, you continually transform our minds and who we are chasing after you and your love and your grace. And we just pray that you use us. You use us to spread your light, your hope, that you just continue to work in us to fill our cups, Father God, so that we can be a beacon for those who are lonely and are sick and are suffering and have lost all hope in a crazy, distorted, perverted, selfish world. Could you allow us to come together that Iron sharpens iron, Lord, and you've given us a great group of people. And we can do great things in this community, Lord. So I just pray that you set our intentions on you and just keep leading us as we go day after day, chasing after you to make the difference that only you can make through us and in us. Help us with our unbelief, because I believe that you can do exceedingly and great things beyond any of our ideas and dreams and hopes and goals, as long as we just trust you. So thank you for all that we've done, and just strengthen our belief that you are going to use us to do amazing things. In your son's holy and precious name, I pray. Amen. Wow, what a day, right? Miss Faye exercises obedience. And we finish up with two walking, talking, breathing, praying, believing men that had not the Holy Spirit intervened in their lives would be dead. Miracles up here leading us in prayer. Resurrected from the dead. I'm going to send you out of here with this reminder of what I said to start with. If you're here today, it's because you're supposed to be here today. You're important to this. You have a role. If you vanish now, that's on you. We got important stuff coming. We're a team, we're a family, we're ramping it up. I told the guys yesterday morning, it's time for you to ramp it up. Ramp it up in your prayer life, ramp it up in your obedience, ramp it up in your giving, ramp it up in your service. And we're going to be blown away by what the Father's going to do by our collective believing prayer. Amen. Bless you. Have a great day.